Oh, dude. <laughs> I'm so, I'm so excited for this. <laughs> oh my gosh, I couldn't believe that that was a real thing. Like, that's insane. They made the whole movie. They <laughs> made the whole movie. <laughs> All right, we're starting because um, because we get forty minutes a pop on these things, and we got to maximize our time talking about this movie. Oh, dude, I this movie is everything. My goodness. <laughs> Welcome, what? everybody, to another episode of One Man in Possession of a Podcast. I'm your host, Chad. I go through and read all the Jane Austens and watch all the Jane Austen adaptations and then do a podcast about each one. This is the ninth episode of the Sense and Sensibility season, season one. Today, we're covering... The 2014, maybe 2015, Marianne uh, on Tubi. Uh, IMDb has it as 2014. Tubi has it as 2015. So I don't know which one is correct. And joining us, we have two guests. I feel like I'm wasting these guests on this episode because this adaptation was something else. And we should have saved them for something better. But I'm glad they're here to discuss Marianne. It's Paul Ricks and Sean Wiggins. So introduce yourself, Paul, and then Sean. <laughs> yep, I'm Paul Ricks. I'm excited to talk about Marianne. <laughs> I'm Sean Wiggins, and I'm also excited to talk about Marianne. Perfect. Perfect. I watched it in two segments. Me and Rachel watched the first half until about an hour, and then she didn't want to finish it the next day, and I had to watch it by myself. But I'm like, Rachel, you should have finished it because it got crazy at the end. There was puddles of vomit. There was drowning. There was uh, kissing and kind of kissing. <laughs> well, like at the wedding? Yeah, well, Marianne was making out with with Willoughby in that mansion for a while. Yeah. And then mm -hmm. he like tried to lift up her skirt and she's like, we have to wait. And then yeah. at the wedding, she gets married to Colonel Brandon, and they say, I do, and it's a peck on the cheek, and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like these little besitos of like, hey, we just met each other. Yeah, it was great, man. <laughs> it was great. But before we get into Marianne, we have to do um, your personal history with Jane Austen and, and, and such. So, Paul, what's your interest level slash uh knowledge of jane austen and jane austen adaptations have you read yeah. any of the books yeah i have um i'm trying to think which ones i've read probably um just the biggest of the big like pride and prejudice um mm -hmm. and a handful of other um interest level is pretty high knowledge level super low okay i i, I don't know um uh, like it's not even that I don't know a ton and like I'm feigning ignorance. It's actual ignorance where I'm like, Nope, I just don't know. So this, I think this might've been like the perfect movie for me, but, <laughs> uh, but I, but I should say that I have like very fond memories. So both of my parents in another life were actors. And so I have like very fond memories of appreciating. And your wife is an actor. You're just surrounded by actors. Yeah, exactly. Um, And, and so then like, I, I remember I have these very fond memories of the only movies that my parents could watch together would be these type of like um, 
you know, this historical fiction very much situated in this once upon a Jane Austen time. And those are the only movies I ever really saw them mutually enjoy. Yeah. So there's at least that connection. So, and and now, now I'm done. Now I'm just going to keep. Have you read Sense and Sensibility before? I don't think so, but I've seen the Angley movie. Yep. Like a hundred times. Like yeah. I, I love everything about it. So this was, this was a very interesting experience for me. <laughs> a little bit different adaptation. Mm-hmm. Cool. Sean, how about you? Oh gosh. So you guys know that like, this is kind of not my thing. Right. <laughs> um, but that, so I'm, I'm not like huge into the kind of 19th century Jane Austen type world. But recently uh, in the past handful of years, I've had several encounters with that kind of material that's caught me off guard. Right. So we watched the Jane Eyre movie and I really liked it. I read Jane Eyre and I really liked it. Um, Mm -hmm. Little Women was something that I kind of lumped into this category. And I saw the Greta Gerwig movie because I love Greta Gerwig and I love that movie. So I'm kind of in a position where I'm hoping to like these things, but still finding that Overall, it's very much not my thing. So um, my exposure to Jane Austen in the past has been like clueless. <laughs> and we watched Emma yeah. together, which Blood- I didn't really enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. the most recent one. Mm-hmm. So I um, also have been kind of in a scattered frame of mind lately. So that might um, have affected my ability to really immerse myself in this. But I did try to read the book leading up to this podcast sense and sensibility i got about halfway through it and i was listening to it yeah and it was just like not penetrating my mind like i could not get the words to mean anything so i was about halfway through and realized i had no idea what was going on or who any of these characters were and so i i read a couple chapters and i'm like oh that's just kind of like how this is written there's so many commas and semicolons Uh and like every thought goes in six different directions i'm like i this is just written in a way that I have to like sit down and be studying it. I can't just read it. So it totally was lost on me. I went and tried to read the Wikipedia plot art, uh, plot summary. And by the end of it, I was like, oh, I haven't been paying attention to what I've been reading for the last half of the summary. <laughs> so did so you, Sense and Sensibility wise, have you seen any, the Ang Lee 95? No, Emma Thompson? I haven't seen, this is my first Sense and Sensibility ad. Incredible. That that ever is, seen. This is an incredible introduction yeah. to this story. So, I, and... and I, yeah. I just have to preface this with like, I really want to like this. I'm not coming at this from a standpoint of, oh, this old stupid girl stuff. Yeah, I don't, I don't cool. like this. It's like, yeah. I feel like I'm missing out on something, but there's something about me that like, just <laughs> can't absorb most Jane Austen and Jane Austen adjacent stuff. Yeah. But this was a really fun movie to watch. <laughs> this was a, this was quite the movie, but before oh, we get to the, the movie, so I know Paul and Sean, we were in the freshman year dorms all together on the same floor uh, for that year. And then we also do a movie club for the last, what, three years or so mm-hmm. where we watch a movie every month uh, separately and then talk about it together with some some other people that have been on this podcast before. Kind of right. Like it's really just like the mediational thing to get us to talk about other things. Like, but like, oh, well, yeah, movie. I'd say half of half of the two hours, two and a half hour conversations we have are f- towards the movie, and the other half is just catching up. Yeah, that's incredible, Sean. Like your introduction <laughs> to Eleanor and Marianne. So reading, I read 
sense and sensibility in the spring and leading up to doing this podcast. And I wanted to read the words on the page and not have it be read to me in an audio book, which was hard. And Marianne goes into like paragraphs of like her thoughts and her, um, her speeches, like when they leave, um, her home, her house, I forget what it's called now. There's like a, a farewell and it's like all poetry and nice. And um, there's paragraphs of just descriptions and there's who knows what they're talking about. And I have to reread it. And this month, like two weeks ago, I started reading. So Sense and Sensibility is winding down and we're moving into the next season, which is Pride and Prejudice. So I picked up the Pride and Prejudice book and some reason it is such an easy read. Like her style has changed since Sensibility to Pride and Prejudice. So I should have started there. I can't give up on Jane Austen yet. Don't give up. I would say Sense and Sensibility is a harder read than Pride and Prejudice. Persuasion's good. Emma's really easy too, but it's been a while since I've read those. Listening to Pride and Prejudice, oh, cut! Maybe because I've seen the adaptation so many times, and it follows so closely, like the words and the people, and you know who everyone is already. You can give up on right. Sensibility; well, it's not the best one. <laughs> I will say my other exposure to Jane Austen is I've listened to the first three episodes of this podcast. I really <laughs> liked listening to you and Anthony talk about reading it. Yeah, right. So that's I don't something. even remember what me and Anthony talked about. I wanted to get Anthony on this one. Because he read the book and then didn't do any of the adaptations. And I've only got two left. And the next one is the Hallmark one that has nothing to do with the book. It doesn't follow the story at all. They had a Hallmark script and they're like, oh, we can just switch out. There's two sisters. So what's a famous story that has two sisters? Sense and Sensibility does. We'll just swap out all the names, the character names to match the book. And had none of the personalities, none of the character traits, none of the plot or storyline is related at all. It's called Sense Sensibility and Snowmen. And I cried at the end. So <laughs> that's great, man. Sense and Sensibility started out with BBC adaptations, and they were like old 70s, 80s, and even 95 Ang Lee, 2008 BBC. They're taking the story, they're setting it in 1811 with the characters, with the dialogue, with the costumes, and their adaptations. And then since 2008, there hasn't been a faithful adaptation. And so we've just been watching Prada Tanada or Mary Ann or Sense Sensibility and Snowmen or the Bollywood adaptation or whatever. I'm like, I'm ready to get it, move on from Sense, Sense and Sensibility and go on to the next one. <laughs> oh, man. If any more are like this, like you are, you're in it for the, for the pain, my man. Like that is like podcast Someone, has yeah. become like mystery science theater kind of podcast, you know, like it, this was amazing. And then I found another one that was put on by like the University of Wisconsin, and it was an adaptation of Sense and Sensibility. There was a blog about it, and it's nowhere streaming. You can't find the DVD anywhere. 
the way this person watched it is they emailed the professor and the professor sent them a DVD in the mail and they watched it and then they wrote a little article about it. So I'm not going to be following that one. And then that's it. Completion is done. This one and another one. And I've already watched all of them. So now I just have to talk about them. And then next year, January, we're starting Pride and Prejudice. Another point is... uh, we're supposed to watch the trailer. There is no trailer for this one. <laughs> what? I did take my phone and record some scenes. So we'll watch those later. And, uh, <laughs> but other than that, um, okay, well, then we're going to do a summary synopsis. Uh, do you want me to walk through the summary synopsis or Sean, do you want to? Oh not, not me, please. Same. The problem is, when did you guys last watch this? Because I've watched uh, other sync things since then. I, I finished it 17 minutes ago, or like 23 minutes ago, or something. So incredible. This is, so Paul, me. Okay, this. Okay, so help me out. You guys are going to yeah. have to interject a bunch because I don't remember a lot of this. And I took two notes, and then I stopped taking notes because I was just like engrossed. <laughs> I'm like, if I started taking notes, I would take it. Uh, write down something every single scene i would... <laughs> i have so many notes but none of them are about the plot so i don't yes, know if i can give you a plot summary hey okay, yeah. then we'll do a quick plot summary and we'll focus on what kind of what you have written down for your notes starts out at the funeral long shot and someone's getting buried it's pretty in green but it's kind of like Overset. Okay, this, this is way too much detail. Long shot. Yeah. There are lots of scenes, you know, Chad. So <laughs> you only and, have 40 minutes. It's already started. And it goes into the house. They're like grieving. And then the brother in law, half brother, half brother. Mm-hmm. Yep. The half brother comes in and he gets the house for some reason. And the half brother's wife is really mean for whatever reason and they her name's that, Fanny and she fan. lives the name yeah Fanny she's a bum she's very greedy she's, she's very greedy, greedy. <clears throat> um, they end up moving out and it's a sad scene and into an apartment and it's a one bedroom apartment and they're sleeping on the couches and that was a realization when like and they're eating like around there was nuts it's so low budget. It's like amazing how many, like what natural sound they decide to use and what overdubbing voices they decide to use and when they decide to use it is incredible because it switches between the two. Uh-huh. <laughs> so one of the like two things on IMDb about this movie is that it had a $7,000 budget. And so I went into it thinking like, how could anyone possibly make a movie with $7,000? And halfway through, I was thinking like they had $7,000 and this was the best they could do. <laughs> it's shocking how low budget it is. Um, they meet the mom's cousin and, and stepmom. And then some, and then some other younger girl with short hair named Emma. That's not in the book. Yeah. And- it's like his little sister in this. Okay, little sister, and she was... She's, like, actually, like, she's a grown-up, but she's just, like, really short, too. Oh, she was a grown-up? I thought she... 
I think everybody in this movie is a grown up. Like the younger sister, the mom, like they're all the exact same age. But like, <laughs> yeah, the younger sister was there. She had like two lines the whole movie. Yeah. And like some of them, she just holds a book in front of her face. Like it doesn't even like <laughs> respond to how other she's just like, I'm not coming out of here. <laughs> and then the brother in law has a friend. His name's um, John Willoughby. No, Andrew. Andrew Willoughby. Is Andrew? Like when she's drowning. I have that. We're going to watch that scene. We're coming out of the water. And, oh, it's so good. Marianne is going to like a piano school. And Eleanor, I can't remember what she does. They were both grad students. Yeah. Okay. So um, can... Eleanor was a grad student for her writing. She was getting her MFA. Oh, okay. She's getting John Keats. Mm-hmm. That's right. I forgot about that. These are never, details. There's a never, lot of details. Like, we never see her reading or writing, really, but she is doing this somehow. Not, none of them go to class or study either. No. There are recitals. I yep. guess that's all you do to get a um, graduate degree in music. Well, I think they knew somebody that, or they had some time at that theater, or that theater let them in and record there because there's a lot of time. And then they had like a party there too. Yeah. yeah. There are quite a few things happening at that same residence. Yep. Willoughby is a bad guy. And we know that because he's a doctor and he has a drug lair and um, he kidnaps girls and drugs them and makes them get some pregnant, I guess, in this movie. That's what I got from it. Yeah. Uh, Andrew, um, Brandon is rich, but he's a cop because he wants to help the, I don't know, people in need. So he's got a heart of gold. And um, a very effective puncher. I think that should be noted. <laughs> Solid right. punches. Solid and, punches. And multiple times we see him like when, when things, you know, push comes to shove, Colonel Brandon, he knows what's up. He's just like, Wait, let me let me take care of this in one punch. So it so. turns out Colonel Brandon has a, a younger sister or maybe an adopted sister um, that gets lured into the drug trap of Willoughby and he's looking for her because he's a detective and he finds her and then um, he rescues her and puts her in his house or whatever. And then Marianne falls in love with Willoughby and Willoughby falls in love with Marianne. We may meet Willoughby's um, godmother and she wants Willoughby to marry her daughter. But Willoughby was in jail. So she knows people that jail scene, guys. (laughs) It has has like three hooks for like... um... Like just for put like hanging like jackets and stuff yep. in jail. <laughs> like the rooms that they decide to film in. Yeah. It's just incredible. Like every single scene, there's like 10 things that like this movie's driving me crazy. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and then um they go to a wedding of their friend, Charlotte Lucas. Not Charlotte Lucas, just Charlotte. I don't know. And that wedding is fun. They throw the bouquet. I got a video of that bouquet throwing as well. Yeah, and um, Marianne wants to kill herself. And, and and Brandon rescues her. And then they fall in love and get married at the very end. 
There is no Edward. So in the book, Sean, and other adaptations, Eleanor meets Edward, which is Fanny's brother. And um, that's Hugh Grant in the Angley adaptation. And he's, yeah, he's, everyone's so great. You should watch that one, Sean. I think you'd like it. You can't not. It's so good. I don't know. I feel like I've already gotten the full experience from Marianne. So (laughs) that's pretty much the summary. Anything else to add as far as story points? Oh, or differences between the book. Uh, Mom was not a like aspiring novelist in the book who is just like did i tell you guys i wrote a book when i when you guys were gone <laughs> like it's a novel and yeah so a, book, a book called eleanor and marianne and then the younger sister's like i came up with the name like it's some <laughs> clever thing <laughs> i forgot all about that <laughs> two sisters uh <laughs> what was up with her crimped hair oh mom yeah i thought she just had really curly hair but uh okay could be Everybody's just like, if you have curly hair, you look older. And we know you're the exact same age as all the other people. So we oh, got to do something. Exact same age. Yeah. Those get... <laughs> it's like the same DI rack too. Where they're like, okay, so you're a size six dress with shoulder pads and you're a size four dress with shoulder pads. No, there weren't any shoulder pads. These were all like summer dresses. Oh, had yeah. Like the high waist. So they were like going ah. to the beach outfits. And I think they were trying to reference that style of like that really high waisted dress mm. where the waist goes right below the boobs. And then it kind of like, like goes out. Always look pregnant. Yep. Even, yeah. And that's what they would wear in like all the Jane Austen adaptations, like in mm. Pride and Prejudice and the other ones. Yeah. So I think that was like, it couldn't have been a mistake because everyone was wearing one of those dresses. I don't it know. was, it was confusing to me because it's supposed to be contemporary, <clears throat> but like the clothes didn't look quite contemporary and that's kind of how a lot of things felt like they couldn't decide to absolutely put it in the present like they were doing weird throwbacks and the weird diction like they wouldn't speak like it was in the present they would Mm -hmm. they've got this not direct quotes from the book but some of them were direct quotes from the book and then some of them were just like completely modern sentences and paragraph like i don't know line readings and they're like so broke out of their minds, but they have like artisan China for like tea, you know, like in this like, uh-huh. like wait a second. like, And you drink tea and they all have American accents and nobody drinks tea. So anyways. yeah, they had the tea that sleeping on the couch thing was so real, though. Like it's yeah. like, oh, they are really poor. They don't even have like beds. They got to sleep in their living room. And probably like the whole time they're making that movie. That's exactly where they slept. Like. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to share my screen. Anything else besides the plot? We're going to go through each one of the characters on IMDb and we're going to have some thoughts about them. Then we're going to do like highlights and lowlights and then go through everyone's notes. Um, So this lead actress, her name is Rachel Brow and she's not an actress anymore. She lives in New York. I stalked her on Facebook and I sent her a Facebook message. She didn't respond no response wait so she lives in new york but looking through imdb it seemed like most of these people were from seattle is yep. that right was this is a this seattle was filmed, movie yeah this is a seattle movie 
she did plays. She did some Jane Austen plays and some other plays in Seattle, like in the year before this, like 2012, 2013. And then I don't know how she got into this one. I sent her a Facebook message saying I do a podcast and would love to hear experience about making this movie. Uh, she didn't. And then I tried to, I sent a friend request as well. <laughs> no response. <clears throat> I did look up like Rachel Brow podcast and she has been a, a guest <clears throat> talking about movies like five years ago on some random podcast, probably mm-hmm. one of her friends or something. So she does do podcasts, just not mine. Apparently that would have been a great get to like interview Rachel Brow about the filming of Marianne, but all of my, all the way that I'm talking right now would change completely. If there were any real person involved, it would be an addendum. It wouldn't be with the group. It would just be like me and Rachel Brow talking about, and then I'd tack it onto the beginning or the end. (laughs) Hey, this is a whole other podcast idea that I would absolutely listen to just interviewing no-name actors on old movies that nobody's watched like that that's something i'm interested in that's right yeah can you can you click on the third image like i want to see which festivals this thing well i'm looking at your imdb and so you see like oh yeah got it yeah let's zoom into this picture into the because it looks like they resurrected this in 2021 Lift off global network sessions 2021 official selection. Official selection. Oh, this is 2021. Targory International Film Festival official selection. I wonder why 2021 would have. Do you think it was made in 2014 and not even released until a couple years ago? I could see that being as a very likely scenario. One in which it was never released, yes. <laughs> I wonder how Tubi it, it picked it up. Nine years of editing to make this masterpiece. Yeah, I mean they did edit it. That's true. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure did. they didn't pay anybody to edit it. They just like did it themselves. Did you think she kind of looked like Fiona Apple? She kind of looked like Fiona Apple. She kind of looked like a comedian I know called Alyssa Sabo. Hmm. I thought she did fine, actually. Like, Rachel Brow, I don't think, was the big problem of this movie. No. I agree. There's some production problems. Yeah, production and script. And as far as, like, emoting and doing lines and the movie, I thought Rachel Brow did a fine job. Yep. The next one is, this is Eleanor. She's, like, these... These dresses, like where this got the the high waist, is I think it's it's gotta be like a reference to the mm. the pilgrim dresses, or not pilgrim dresses, the regency dresses of the sense and sensibility. And the fact that they're like always wearing dresses when people almost never wear dresses. Uh-huh. They're all they're there's not there's no scene with them in not pants. Always. Yeah. The next one is Sarah Carnes, I also sent her a message on Facebook. She she doesn't have as much information or a blog or whatever. Um, and that's uh, Eleanor. Eleanor didn't have a lot to do in this. Um, she was always like in a group or with the family or whatever. Any thoughts on Eleanor? She hmm. was the only, maybe this isn't, maybe the only other actor 
that I was like, she did a fine job. Like she wasn't the problem with the movie. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We get, yeah, she had a pretty small role. We get into problems real quick (laughs) with like, with some other actors. Um, Christian Telesmar actually has a picture on IMDb. He was Willoughby. I don't know what else he's, he was in, was in NCIS Los Angeles in 2009. <clears throat> that doesn't make any yeah, sense. I, the young and real. Oh. I looked in it. It seems like he's been cast in a handful of things pretty recently. Yeah. 2022, 2021. Yeah. So he's still TV an actor. Shows. <clears throat> I don't think he did that bad of a job of acting, but the way they wrote the character and the, the story of, Willoughby was just rough. I don't know what else to say about Willoughby. Thought he did fine. Yeah. What do you guys think about Willoughby? Yeah, I don't think he was given a ton to work with as far as um, script and, and anything else. But want to give everybody the benefit of the doubt and it's it still, <laughs> right. still pretty rough um colonel brandon i don't think he's an actor i think this is his first thing that he's ever been in <clears throat> i think he's just a friend of the production and he was really hard to watch rachel didn't <laughs> like it whenever he was on and <laughs> he he seemed like a nice guy like i could yeah. get how he seemed like the kind of person that like is the friend of the director and be like, yeah, I'll play a main role. Like he just seemed like a cool guy, but probably not a very good actor. You know, yeah, that's think, a good call. I think, I think we're going to have to, we don't know who the direct director is really. Right. Uh, no, I didn't even look into it. Yeah. The, but it was directed by Desiree or sorry. Yeah. Desiree Naomi stone wrote and direct it as in wrote the screen adaptation based off of Jane Austen. But, but you gotta know that like whoever, yeah, this guy just got asked to do something where he kind of bit off more than he could chew, and he's probably like too good of a friend to be like, you know what, I, I'm I'm not an actor, like I just I'm just an accountant. Is it cool? (laughs) I will give you seven thousand dollars to make a movie that I'm not in. But he like he hadn't been talking to his therapist about boundaries and like self advocating. So instead, so instead he's just like well all right i'll just be in your movie <laughs> she <clears throat> she directed two movies the one was a year before it's called charlie's dilemma it's a 48 minute movie i don't know how you can call it a movie it's still a, a short right like it's got i don't know it's, it, so yeah we don't know much about the director or how the story came together if I ever, if Rachel Brow ever like responds to my Facebook message, I am for sure doing an addendum to this because I want to talk to her. <laughs> yeah, and then delete everything we say because I wouldn't ever want it. So I remember when I was in a film class, and I didn't take film classes for very long, but somebody was one of the professors was saying like, if you ever try to make anything, music, uh, visual art, you know, a film, like then you can appreciate how much effort it takes to even making like the crappiest thing because you know, do you know what I mean? Yep. Like Fast and Furious kind of objectively is stupid, but if you just watch this nine minute segment, like somebody's really pouring it on with special effects and sound and light, you know what I mean? Like, yep. so 
anyways. Oh, for sure. It took some doing to write and get all your friends together and not pay anybody and go to these different theater companies and try to recruit small time actors. Do you want to be in this yep. production? You're not going to get paid, but you're going to be a star or whatever. Yeah, we have this not quite mansion, but big house that we have one room in. If you want to sit around an empty table. Yeah, and it's an hour and 53 minutes long. I mean, it felt it too. Like I split it up. Yeah. Into, did you watch the whole thing today, Paul? Yeah. And on Tubi, which every like 13 minutes gives you like six advertisements. Uh-huh. And here's one of the things I was going to say, which is every time there was an advertisement, I couldn't help but notice like the level of production value for like these 30 minute like tied commercials was, you know, just multiple heads above anything that I had been watching for the actual film where it was like, you know, scope mouthwash or whatever. I was like, wow, they really put in the effort. Like they moved the camera and they made sure like somebody who is selling mouthwash has like really white teeth. Whereas uh, <laughs> other things might not have been that, that same level. I don't know. It doesn't seem like they went as in depth for the, this particular film. Enter. We got four minutes. Let, let's finish up these um these actors, and we're going to come back from the break and dive into notes and highlights and lowlights and things like that. Mrs. Dashwood was the mom. She hasn't been in anything. She, I didn't. I I didn't like watching her. I thought it was really rough. Margaret Dashwood seemed the, very amateur. Yeah, it was rough. Reza Leal Smart was Margaret Dashwood. She's the one that didn't have any lines, but she's an IMDb and has a picture on there. Fanny Fairs um, was the evil half stiff sister in law, and uh, John or Bjorn Whitney was the half brother. They were hardly in it. John Middleton and Emma Middleton—that's like the cousin and the little sister of the cousin. Yeah, Emma Middleton. That's a made-up character. This says Kate Kathan Borden was Edward Fares. So when I saw IMDb and saw Edward Fares, I was like, "There's no Edward Fares in this movie." Did you see any Edward Fares, Paul? No, there's like no Lucy Steele either, right? Like nobody who's his sister who is. They must have cut upset. it. They had. Yeah. Because Lucy Steele was supposed to be pre-engaged to Edward Fares, and then Eleanor, and then they find yeah, what it's a whole story that the whole storyline that they cut out, and it's maybe still they were just wedding now. guests or baseball players. I don't know. <laughs> they could have been in some of these scenes. Guys, they played baseball on that dry <laughs> field. It was why couldn't they go to a baseball field? Why'd they have to go to like this dry? Grass. Did you look how they were swinging the baseball or swinging the bat? Like, there's no reason for them to be anywhere except in that very field. <laughs> they were exactly where they needed to be, I think. Um, Elizabeth Brandon was Colonel Brandon's younger sister that got all drugged up and puked everywhere. Um, I thought she did fine as an actress. Good job, Monica Holm. She's got a picture on IMDb. Charlotte Jennings, that was fun. She got married and she was like over the top she was like one of the most over the top people and then thomas palmer oh no what's his name uh john middleton he's his acting was so funny because every single thing he was just like like paying attention and moving his head and nodding along and like he was really into it 
Like I would just like watch him on the scene. And, Is that the cousin? Cousin yeah, John? Cousin yeah. John. Yeah, he he was great. And then there's this Lydia as Mindy Whitfield. I'm not sure what she was. She was or... probably one of the people at the party. Oh yeah. Gonna cut us out of here, guys. I see the time telling us. All right, well, we're gonna take a break and then we'll be well, back with a synopsis. Can I share my screen? No, not right now. I took some videos, so I've got I've got these pictures with, with your phone. You said yes. All right, I'm here for that. I could like it's my phone of the TV, whatever. It's like thirty seconds long at max. I I can't see how that would make the quality worse. <laughs> it actually auto focused the lighting, so it made it a little bit better. Okay. <laughs> You know how like they're in the shade and then the background is in the sun. It was it was bad. I, a lot of my notes were about the lighting and the filming. <laughs> what one of my first notes was overexposed ocean because they're in front of the ocean. Uh-huh. And the ocean behind them is just white. Yep. And I didn't realize when I took that note that like every single shot has some issue with the lighting or the focus or something yeah overexposed faces and a lot of them Mm -hmm. yeah really harsh lighting if they're not in the shade if they're in the shade the harsh lighting's behind them if they're in the sun it is just like brilliant like shining Uh off their face it's pretty great all right we're back paul me and sean were just talking about the uh the harsh overexposed lighting like if they're sitting in the sun And then if they're in the shade, like the background is just so brilliant and you can't even see any of their faces because they're in Mm -hmm. the shade. Mm -hmm. What what were your favorite parts of this movie? Oh, okay. um, I don't want to... Sean, do you want to go first? I want you to go first. Okay. (laughs) So one of the... So I watched the introductory minutes, maybe the first five or seven minutes with my kids. Cause like I hadn't watched it yet and I knew this thing was coming up. So the, I just, you just have to know that like this was experienced with multiple Rick's like, and um, one of my favorite things was like the mom, she's talking with the daughters and she's like, there may be something left, like talking about like the money. And then the next scene, it's like the accountant he's like, there's nothing left and like and it was so good like there may be something left he's like there's nothing left like it was like just like this sweet jump cut um i put so, that as a lawyer and i put them in, oh, maybe. in a closet <laughs> right yeah. like they like, the, like a, a janitorial closet like a janitorial yeah. closet in the yeah. closet Okay. Not like a small room, like a literal closet. So next favorite thing was we've got to have a party. What says party like one of those karaoke machines that has the light on the top that just like, and then like, oh my gosh. And then, but then, but then my favorite and least favorite was like, as 
I was watching that horrific party scene, right? It reminded me of like so many BYU undergraduate moments where uh-huh. somebody told you to to go to what you thought was a party. Yeah. And you walked into somebody's living room and there's like a bag of chips and four people. And you're like, oh no, like I can't easily get into this thing and I can't easily get out of it. And so that was one of my favorite these favorite things. Every um, time it went to that party house, it was yeah. so disconcerting like uncomfortable and it made my stomach hurt it was really gross it felt it felt real i had that same experience paul that those the party scenes and then when they're all sitting around the one living room it felt like when you go to a church family's house that you don't know very well and the conversation's moving really slow and everybody's waiting for somebody else to say something it's like this is a terrible scene but this is like how life really is sometimes yeah. well that's what i thought was so interesting and and so that's what i thought was so interesting about it like by seeing the overexposed light you're like oh that's how light actually looks and by like you know what i mean uh-huh. and like by seeing some garbage apartment you're like oh yeah that's how apartments really look instead of like cinematically garbage apartments or cinematically you know what i mean so yeah. anyway like the light coming in through the window was dimmed like because of like shutters or or blinds or whatever and it's just kind of grimy uh and you could Uh, like you could smell the mildew kind of like you know it's in seattle and this is like the only sunny day that they've had for a while (laughs) yeah so another favorite but uncomfortably where the 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 nice cousin john who delivers everything like so sincerely you know Uh, yeah when it's like taking it directly from Jane Austen and I'm sure the nicest black bitch I ever saw, uh-huh. like talking about the dog landed really well in the time. Yep. And maybe it was a little tongue in cheek, but I was just like, Oh, when that scene happened, I turned to Rachel. I'm like, they're going to, they're going to do the pointer of a, a bitch line and it is not going to land. And they yeah. did. And it didn't <laughs> land at all. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, and I, and I actually, uh, if we're going to take this $7,000 came out in nine minutes, nine years after it was shot film. Seriously. I got, we're going to have to engage with the racial tension of like, Oh my gosh. Like just I, some serious stereotypes there. Well, and then like the only black character is this drug dealer at the party. And then, yeah. John, and then John Willoughby's black. I'm like, okay, good. They'll have like some, character that's not white that's like a good main character and then they turn him into like a drug dealer rapist too it's like yeah come on guys like yeah i know we're in seattle but not everybody's white yeah and he's a drug dealer rapist and then in one of the closing scenes a guy who is obviously of mixed ethnic heritage is like my great 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 you know (laughs) like when they were when they were getting whatever it was about like when finally like Slavery was over. Gave him this diamond was, ring. It was the wedding ring. Yeah. That wedding, wedding ring speech came from nowhere. And I, I don't know. That was like a low light for sure. Yeah. yeah. And it was, and it was, and you're just like, and you're just like thinking through, you know, these people who have been and, living in abject po- poverty for literally 
decades, hundreds of years, they're like, well, I'm just hanging on to this ring. You know, <laughs> like our kids don't need food. And so anyways, yeah. Well, and he tells this story about how it's a ring from his great, 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 great grandma or whatever. And then he pulls out this ring that like has these big diamonds and looks like jewelry looked like in 2014 like yeah. <laughs> a big big showy engagement ring that was yeah. clearly not hundreds of years old yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh i forgot about i forgot about all these things until you bring it up i'm like oh, oh. yeah they did do that <laughs> And then, oh, okay, other racialized tension. He's like, but they still have plantations. And then they just like go through like four brown countries, you know, they're like Guatemala. They're just like, dude, you can't, what? And so anyways, <laughs> and like, uh, so that one was tough. But uh, one other, one, two other favorites, the throwing of the bouquet that ended like. Hold on. Feet... I'm going to oh, share yeah. my screen. We're going to watch that right now. Yes. <laughs> Like, cause it's so, like, I don't know what they're going for, but it was amazing. Come on, girls. Like that cut. So, so she's like, they're eating wedding cake and then he feeds her. And then all of a sudden she's standing in the middle of a field out of nowhere. (laughs) And then come on, girls. Why didn't she turn around and throw it towards them? So you think that Emma is like their age? She's like 20 something. Um, I mean, I'm not <laughs> sure, but I'm pretty sure everybody's 20 something. Yeah. And it just hits the ground and like the the carnage <laughs> that ensues after. It's incredible. No. Oh. And so so one last favorite thing is the um <laughs> so there's there's the slap like in the staircase followed by a very significant punch like just like full-on assault where colonel brandon just one punch almost knocks out willoughby and i was just like wow so my notes for that section say Uh she keeps hitting him which is super not okay and then the next note says oh no colonel brandon too <laughs> yeah, We're like what are you? What is happening? And then, oh, I have one other favorite. Sorry, I keep saying like it's my last favorite, but I just like my notes are a mess. But the where she's like at the door and has sunglasses and like walks in to get coffee, but she looks like Tom Cruise from Airplane Movie. Like, what am I? Oh, Top Gun. Top Gun. Yeah, she like sits down, and her mom's like um there's more coffee and then it's like the most chaotic moves that she makes she's like how much more and i was just like wow this is this is everything that i needed right now so okay sorry how much how much did your kids end up watching of this paul like did they leave after oh so well honestly so we we got to like the first party scene and then they had to go see their cousins but i also like paused it because i was like i just didn't know what i was getting into you know like i was like what what kind of party and then what and then he's the dude the pimp guy's just wearing like his kanye glasses in there and it was very interesting yep so okay okay yeah i'm looking through my list and trying to figure out which of these are like like favorites because it's hard because some of it is like so bad it's good yeah and some of it's just so bad but i have i have four notes in a row that i think are so bad they were good i have 
a very gentle mugging in a well-lit alley. <laughs> um, when, when Marianne gets mugged in like broad day, like harsh, harsh daylight. Yeah. And the guy that comes up is just like, doesn't seem very threatening. Nope. Like clearly like a super nice guy who's like pretending to be a mugger. And then when he mugs them, he's like so gentle with them, like clearly trying not to hurt them. And uh, Eleanor jumps on his back. And then Willoughby comes in and just slugs him really hard so and hard. Is like beating the crap out I of know. him. <laughs> but like it starts out so gentle. I loved it. Um the the next scene that I noted is when um Marianne and Willoughby are falling in love and they have this montage. And my note says, splashing the drinking fountain. How romantic. They're like, they have a drinking fountain going and they're like splashing each other with the water stream, like all playfully. And then it goes into them spinning, which is like every movie has to have spinning yep. to show they're falling in love, I guess. But the drinking fountain splashing was a highlight of that montage. John, I, have, I have written down water fountain scene equals like Dumb and Dumber in the snowball one. You know where like she kind of like <laughs> gently throws the snowball at him and he yeah. just like he's, he pushes like, her face into the snow. <laughs> yeah. like, I was like, oh, yeah. OK, so sorry. Um, so the next one, my note is. The paintings on the wall in their apartment are insane because the the paintings like they match the quality of the movie. It's like they know somebody who says that they're a painter like, oh, my niece is in an art class and they make these paintings of like a girl sitting on a cobblestone wall. But it's like so amateur, like it's somebody trying really hard. And like, I really hope that they stuck with it and made some great art but they weren't at the state where they should have been hanging them on the wall in the background of the film. It's, I don't know. I like, I, I loved that. It's, it's, it's so bad, but I loved it. Oh, for sure. Um, And then I don't know if we're going to go through the rest of these lists later, but the last one that jumped out at me is like my favorite thing is when uh Colonel Brandon is hosting this lunch and he talks about how oh and then my personal chef will bring out a fourth course meal and then a couple scenes later they cut to the meal and there's like tupperware all over the table and they're eating off paper plates and they have plastic cups like it looks like i don't know like some college student was trying to throw a picnic yeah and this is supposed to be this uber wealthy guy having a four course meal with his personal it's right after it's right after that they've just gone to like not the rec center tennis courts, but like very much like the community tennis courts yeah. where the whole thing track- was in a park. The whole thing is just like, oh, we're going to uh, Brandon's mansion for a party. And then they go to a park and yep. then they're just sitting uh-huh. underneath a tree. And it's like, oh, Brandon has a great lawn. And they, they, they could show a big house exterior to place set. Like that doesn't, cost you anything right go to a big house take a picture from the outside from the street and just set the setting but there's no there's no house it doesn't show his house at all it's that they're in a park well they have a similar conundrum when they're like walking through his vineyard right and it's mm-hmm. just like it's just like next to a seattle underpass <laughs> you're like i don't think the best grapes are going to grow there my man <laughs> Like I would, I would strongly suggest a more. (laughs) But Sean, that, that part, that picnic, they have like four different picnic tables strewn together with like tablecloths on them and Tupperware. And half of it is in the shade and half of it is in the sun. (laughs) And the, and it's so like, 
Paul, you know cameras, right? Is there a way to like not to show shade and sun in the same? Yeah, and especially because like um, it, uh, for sure they shot on digital, right? And all they would have had to do was just like, like it would have been like probably it has a setting, so it would just like autofocus the thing anyway. So uh -huh. it's twenty fourteen, but it's like a two thousand two camera almost, you know? Because mm -hmm. I think a twenty fourteen phone could have <laughs> captured things a lot easier yeah right? i'm i'm just recently getting into photography so i don't really know anything but i'm like learning a lot about it right now and like when we were on vacation for thanksgiving we went to bryce canyon and took a bunch of pictures and the lighting was super harsh and you just go into like photoshop and you bring the shadows up and bring the highlights down and it looks way better but yeah. it seems it seems like whatever they were either they didn't have the software to do that or they were shooting on like a 2002 camera that was just giving them crap quality that they couldn't edit after the fact. Yeah, I know. That's so sad. We're going to look at my pictures real quick. I took like four pictures from the screen. This is a picture of <clears throat> at the very end. It's just I remember this is the very end. Eleanor and Marianne. I didn't realize that the same picture was on IMDb. So whoops. This is uh the harsh lighting. <laughs> like, yeah. And yeah. my camera like adjusted for it. Like my camera wouldn't like it was like auto-focusing the camera because the camera knew something was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, there's a shade in the background and then no outline, it's just white. There's them in the shade, and this is the little sister with like the same prairie dress but they're like colorful patterns the dresses were really like this looks like a swimsuit cover like you'd put that mm -hmm. over like going to the beach and maybe it is it probably is they it don't have water. i have got a video of this scene we're gonna watch it let's just watch my videos what do i got we already watched this one right this is a bouquet throw this is He just, he just changes his to, to know to know me is to know that I hate him. It's like hate him. Why? All right, yeah. I don't hate him, but I dislike him. Like why <laughs> even put that in the? Thing? He turned so hard. Yeah, little places to hold your jacket. <laughs> oh, jeez, dude. To work rather than loaf around like a rich bum. What happened to his sunglasses? Yeah. Did you guys see that? He had yeah. like these cool sunglasses on. He put on his uh, reading glasses so he could see the picture better. Okay. But it's like, okay, whatever. <laughs> what <does that> happen? <clears throat> and then this is the...
<laughs> oh, this is my favorite part right here. So she tries to kill herself. Uh, Brandon jumps in and rescues him. Everyone's hugging at the end. She says thank you to Andrew, and he doesn't say anything. He just like nods for too long of time. Like they they that camera stayed on for too long. And then the first thing that she says was turning to uh, Charlotte Palmer. I'm sorry, I ruined your wedding. And she says the wedding would have been ruined if you died. <laughs> it is just a good story. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. 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 Intense. That laughing, like, (laughs) you don't. Was that natural sound or was that overdubbed laughing? Well, they they were doing some really interesting things with sound the whole time, right? Like, uh-huh. just, yeah, it, it almost looks like they or sounded like they like overdubbed it, literally every line that they because their mouths were kind of funky and the inflection was weird. But sometimes, like when they're in the like the police station and they're doing like an interview, you can hear AC fans going and clicks going mm-hmm. in the background, and then the voices sound like all muffled, like it's natural sound. Yeah, they're they're mixing and matching it. Yeah, some of them seemed like overdubbed like they recorded it somewhere else. And a lot of them seemed like they were overdubbed like they just took the audio from another take and put it on top of the current take. Like it didn't match, but the sound and the background like drone sounded the same as the other the other uh, audio. I yeah, don't, was, that's right. They could, have, they could have taken different takes, split the audio off of it and put the audio from a different take onto the original. Because because a plane went over during the good one or whatever. <laughs> which brings me to another one of my favorite parts, which is like um like not cutting when it would make total sense. And then like a really harsh cut when it like is uh, totally unnecessary, you know, yep. just like what do you think, Steven? And then suddenly it's like 45 degrees. It, it's just like, well, you know, and just <laughs> Or you could have just had like the two people looking at each other. And, like, <laughs> it was so interesting. Oh. Well, and watching those clips reminded me of one of my other like main things that I took away from this is just how much they enunciate everything. It reminded me of Troll 2, where every single thing they enunciate the word exactly. Like yeah. it wasn't as much as Troll 2, but there are all these hard T's. Like every T is a T. And that's not how people talk in real life. No, nobody does. Oh. <laughs> so so let's 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 unpack a certain thing. So somebody was like, you know what? Wouldn't it be cool that if we set this in 2014 or 2021 or whatever, like we had these out of era dresses that like are still kind of a nod to what yeah. people wore back in the day? You're like, right. And right. then what if we like had them enunciate 
to really drive home like the beauty of Jane Austen dialogue. You're like, right. And then, but then they took the time to do that and they're like, and does anybody have a karaoke machine with like one of those <laughs> orbs at the top? Because, because there are, you know, four or five scenes where we need to, <laughs> and you're just like, wait, what are you? <laughs> that puddle of vomit guys in that oh, party. It was like exorcist gross. It was so much. Her face was in it. Like this is a oh, real, yeah. a real actress, a real person. I don't know what that liquid was, but it wasn't vomit, but it was supposed no. to be, it was a a liquid on a carpet floor, gross. Like, and you could tell that the the Colonel Willoughby, who's just being a nice friend, he's like like wiping her face. He's like, I never saw myself doing this. You know, <laughs> like, they didn't they didn't say this would be in the notes. You know, what did I sign up for? Yeah, exactly. Oh. <laughs> I'm really. I want to watch it with Steph now. Just I wanted Anthony to watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Cousin John, when he said it's a, it's again the enunciation thing that is problematic, but he's like, Mikasa, Sukasa. <laughs> and he gets a laugh from all the characters. They're like, oh, that was such a great thing for me to say. <laughs> and like the outside of that apartment, like we probably see the outside of that one bedroom apartment like nine times or something, like the 1420 where all four people live. Yep. That's so great. Yeah, there's a lot of walking in that alley where the people get jumped in the broad daylight. That we see that alley a lot, and we also see the in front of the front of the apartment a lot. <laughs> but the danger of that alley must have gone down pretty significantly because she's like, well, now I've got my sister who's the exact same weight and height as me, and we're just going to go to that same alley right next to where they used to be having pretty severe like drug interactions, and now. I don't know. Any other notes that you want to go through? Because I got other, a whole different topics that we need to go through afterwards. I've got a lot of notes. Let's hear some. Do you you have a couple? I'm I'm pairing away the ones that we've already kind of talked about. Yeah, I'm trying to think too. Let me see. 12 people watching the concerto. Like, oh, that was depressing. my my last note was this movie exists in a universe where major events can only handle eight people. <laughs> yeah, Marianne's playing this beautiful piano number on this stage, this huge venue. They didn't like show it from above to show like the 12 people that were sitting there. They showed it from the front where you can see a completely empty rest of the theater behind them, which is which is great. I I guess the only note that I need to go over, and it's not anywhere as nearly as brilliant as Sean's. It's just the quotation. It just says, "He didn't love me, but I got a baby out of the deal." And I was like, "Oh, that was such a strange, like, oh, like uncomfortable." There were there were parts of it that seemed real that were uncomfortable because of how real they were, and there were parts of it that were like. The discomfort was the fact that somebody had spent the time to make the movie and you're like, oh, dang, but like no one will see this. Like it would be like even the people who love them most are going to have a hard time being like, no, that was really good. Like especially that concerto scene, you know, where we could see all eight people and it's like, (laughs) like like I, I can't even imagine like faking it to make it at that point. Was it Willoughby that was walking by the baseball game or was he walking by the wedding where didn't they get married at the same place they played baseball? probably yeah definitely that field probably. that they, dry that dry he field. walked by the wedding because his his 
fiance or wife or whatever she is at that point says, oh, who's getting married? And he's like, I don't know. I was just watching. And she's like, well, I can't see who it is, but whoever they are, they seem happy. And it was like so ham-fisted dialogue. Yeah. And that was but, like single digit minutes after they'd had essentially seen the same people outside the ice cream parlor. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, like really it was kind of, it's like all together. So, yeah. <laughs> all right. So Chad, what, what else do we need to talk through? What do you have for us? I want to hear some more notes. Oh yeah. This is Sean's. Okay. I'll run through my notes. So my very first note was, Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> um, like I, I knew it was going to be bad, but I didn't know it was going to be that bad going in. Um, like, what, what were you thinking? Like, what were the expectations going in? Like, I, I told it was told you it was low budget and bad. Yeah, but it seemed so. One of my notes was that it reminded me of like the quality of like church activities when like the activity is we're going to break off into groups and make movies and like people don't know how to use camcorders like it reminded me of the level of quality of the one group that kind of knows what they're doing i was expecting it to be somebody who like a really bad indie movie but this felt like a youtube video that was two hours long you know like it it was more amateur than i expected yeah there's Um, a there's a an snl skit that i'm going to show you guys that it's like Oh, it, it looks so much like this. It's crazy. But anyways, yeah, sorry. Okay. Um, so <laughs> there's a YouTuber, old YouTuber from like the time when this m- movie was made, uh, Food Wishes, like one of the old recipe videos that I watch all the time that has the same royalty-free piano music in every single video. So I've heard this song a thousand times and it was in the background of two scenes so every time i hear that song sometimes it'll be in podcasts or whatever it's like oh it's the food wishes song completely pulls me out of whatever experience i'm having <laughs> um the the i loved the party scenes so my notes when the party scenes came up my first note was this looks like the worst party ever and then my next note was huge bag of drugs like it was a full like ziploc bag of drugs yeah. like oh like- don't take it all now save Save some like, for me. That's like $60,000 of drugs. <laughs> and then my my next note was, I don't think anyone in this scene has ever done drugs. <laughs> okay. We got four minutes. We'll finish up the notes I, and then we'll come back. I can back. get through my notes in four minutes. Okay. Perfect. My next note was, if Colonel Brandon is so wealthy, why does he dress like that? Okay. <laughs> um, I, I just love this one because the timing was great. I wrote down everyone has titles, cousin John, Colonel Brandon. Like every time they talk to him, it's cousin John, cousin John. And as soon as I wrote that down, they introduced Dr. John Willoughby and they call him Dr. <laughs> Willoughby for the rest of the movie. Um okay, so she gets proposed to two times. Both of the rings are from great grandmas or great, 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 great grandmas or whatever. The first one. Um, it cl- it does a close-up of him putting the ring on her finger before he even asks her to marry him. And the ring is gigantic. My note my note says that ring is gigantic. His great-grandmother had sausage fingers. <laughs> um, but then the second wedding ring from like when slavery ended or whatever, it was also huge. They did another uh, zoom in of them putting the, fi- the ring on her finger and it's like gigantic. Like couldn't they have just gotten like a a cheap like cubic zirconia $15 ring from Walmart that actually fit her. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. And plus that scene, like he's on his knee and she's standing up and then like, like, so he's proposing and she says yes, but then she just comes down. So like, there's like so much empty space in the frame. (laughs) 
it's just like a chin and a nose and then like all of this empty space because they just came down level but the camera didn't move with them so yeah <laughs> oh uh, okay listeners, la- i think listeners should go watch this movie definitely. definitely watch it with someone who you like to make fun of movies with. yeah for sure um Okay, my, my last one, this kind of parallels the party scene, but I have a note that says, I don't think any of these people have ever played baseball before. <laughs> like, they all look so out of place. They all had baseball. turns, though. Like, they, the same camp, they set the camera up on a tripod, mm-hmm. looking, and then everyone took their turns. And I'm sure there was a bunch of outtakes where they just kept on swinging and missing because some of the hits were just like straight to the side. Yep. <laughs> And then there's all this discussion like, oh, you didn't tell me they were so good at baseball. Oh, I trained them myself. The Dashwood sisters are amazing baseball players. It's like, that's not what I just saw. Um, and my favorite part of it is when Marianne gets her hit, it shows her running the bases. And she's running so weird, like her arms are flailing all over the place. And it's just like, okay, that's that's fine. Like people run weird, whatever. But like if this were a real movie, someone would have been like, okay, Let's do another take. Keep your arms in. Like there was just no well, direction. She was standing on dry straw. Yeah. Like that, that field was impossible to run on because uh-huh. you're going to trip. <laughs> like you have to run like ski wampus because there's nowhere to, it's not a good field. It wasn't grass. It was dead grass that was cut for the summertime. And it's like at least, I don't know, eight inches of dead yeah, it stocks. It was not short. Yeah. And it's, it was. <laughs> Dude, I can't stop. It hurts so much. It's like <laughs> if they made a parody of this movie, it would have to be exactly the same as it is. Like you, <laughs> you couldn't make a parody of it. Yeah, that lawyer in the closet. What a way to start. It's the best start, though. There may be something left. You have nothing left. <laughs> It's like a Coen Brothers cut, but it's on accident instead of like, oh, it's so good. One more, Sean. That's the end of my list. Everything oh, you got else one more? At least kind got of like oh, 30 seconds. I'm just, so, I'm just so glad that we did this. This is wonderful. Sean, I took two notes from that, and then I stopped taking notes. <laughs> um, the lawyer's office is a closet, and slow motion into musical moving montage. I don't know what that uh-huh. means. Were they like moving out of their apart or out of the house into the apartment, and there was like slow motion? That that might have been it. I don't know the the music like. There were so many scenes with no music that when there was music, it was really like jarring almost. So I could get why that would be a note. <laughs> oh man. And then the the third note was the time that I stopped the movie. So could I I could fast forward to that again. It was at 52 minutes into the movie. I, <clears throat> that second half was amazing though. I'm so glad that, or I'm so sad that Rachel missed that second half because some things happened. The baseball. Have you guys seen Twilight? Have you seen the Twilight movies? I watched the Rift Tracks version of it, and even that was pretty rough. There's a baseball scene in Twilight, and it's 
set in Seattle or Forks or around Washington. So I don't know if that was like a homage, like putting a baseball scene in a chick flick kind of like where baseball wouldn't like necessarily you'd think it would belong. I don't know. But that's like an accidental trope in like tons of movies, which is just like theater geeks by and large don't know how to like hit baseballs or throw footballs. And then like they're put in these positions where you're like, you're the quarterback. You're like, but I'm not like I do. I do musical theater in the summer. And <laughs> so there are a lot of a lot of interesting throws and hits and stuff. So no, that's true. All right. Well. Fun fact, part, a part of the f- podcast segment is I read a quiz from the Jane Austen trivia book, and then you guys are supposed to answer some questions. Oh, no. <laughs> We're going to be so good at this. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, we want to do like a through... Instant sensibility specific? No, no we... it could be, should be Jane Austen specific. Oh. Well, so we could just... do one sense and sensibility specific. Why? Well, I, I feel like having seen the definitive version, I'll be... <laughs> You know, just incredibly prepared. Yeah. Okay, let's do it. Sense and sensibility. Which character represents sense? And it's multiple choice, but you guys can, if you want to answer right off the bat, you can do that. Gotta be Eleanor. Eleanor. Mm -hmm. Yes. Which character represents sensibility? Marianne, of course. Love it. Who offers the Dashwoods home or Dashwoods a home on his estate? Cousin John. Yep. We're Sir, doing pretty well. Sir John yeah. Middleton, you guys are right. What is the name of Lucy Steele's sister? Lucy Steele was not in this adaptation. Uh, neither was her sister. It's either Anne, Mary, Cassandra, or Delia. Del Delia. No, that's not Delia. Yeah, those are all equidistant for me because she did not show up in this movie. It's it's Anne. <laughs> uh, How is Mr. Pratt connected to Lucy Steele? Father, half brother, cousin, or uncle? Can we go back to the easy questions? <laughs> oh, is he? Uh, I think I know this. Is he the the school teacher? He's her father. Uncle. Mister Pratt. See? Yeah, I think Mister Pratt's the school teacher. Okay. But yeah, Lucy, because Lucy Steele and Ann Steele are orphans, but they have an uncle. Mm. Um, that- who is Edward Ferris secretly engaged to? Lucy Steele. Lucy Steele. And Sean, there's no Lucy Steele on this. Yeah, who this is, is rough. Who is Eliza Williams' guardian? You know Eliza. Eliza's the one that um, Willoughby impregnates and leaves on her own. Oh, Eliza. Uh, Colonel Brandon? Colonel Brandon. Colonel Brandon. Yes. What's the name of Eleanor and Marianne's sister-in-law? I guess it'd be a step-sister. Sister-in-law? Fanny. Yep, yeah. Fanny. What ailment brings Marianne Dashwood to her bed? Uh, didn't happen in the misadaptation. It, wait, but I read the plot summary because it was a was it a twisted ankle? No, or was this different? Because she got mugged in the movie. It was a twisted ankle in the book. Uh-huh. This is yep. something else. So it's either a putrid fever, broken heart, a cold, or diphtheria. Oh, I think it's putrid fever. Yep, putrid fever. Yeah, that was in the Wikipedia plot summary. The half that I could remain focused on. <laughs> Who does Mister Willoughby marry? The rich girl. Yeah, it's either Miss Harris, Miss Morton, Miss Williams, or Miss Gray. Is Miss Harris? No, it's Miss Gray. Gosh. Is that 
she's got to be in the imdb right because she's in it like at the very end a bunch she has lines she says who are those people getting married i don't see her in the imdb oh well uh good job on the quiz everybody i feel like having never read it Mm -hmm. and having you know this being sean's first dive into uh, we knew a lot of those given <laughs> what, 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 what we didn't read and what we didn't really pay attention. Yeah. That's what impressive. wasn't in this adaptation was any Eleanor or Edward Ferris or anything like that. So yeah, that's the cutest part though, man. It's the best part. Marianne's not the best part. Willoughby's yeah. not the best part. The best part is when Emma Thompson, like uh hyperventilates at the very end of the movie and you're it like, oh, the world is going to be okay now. Yeah. When me and Rachel were watching that, we were just crying during that part. It was so good. <laughs> <laughs> of course it's the best and and sean you don't you don't have to love that one but it's really really well done for what it's worth it's like yeah going from mary ann 2014 on tubi to ang lee's 95 masterpiece which yeah. is probably the best jane austen adaptation ever out of like the 45 adaptations i'm gonna watch that was probably number one <laughs> I'm really get, glad you chose us for this one, though. <laughs> yeah, this was this was fun. Well, I couldn't have, I didn't want to put anybody else through it, and I don't think we'd have as much fun <laughs> if it was anybody else. If it was a real like Jane Austen fan, yeah, watching this would be like not as fun. I have to admit, I was still like underprepared because like <laughs> I just couldn't imagine that you could make a feature film like this. You know, like. I I thought it could only be like mutual activities or like only <laughs> like freshmen from 2002, 2003 at Y in Y hall or whatever. So that was impressive. Another question for you guys. What other Regency or non-Regency period piece or do you like, or do you read or have you watched? I kind of gave mine already. The ones that I, that I've really enjoyed were, um, Little Women, I liked a lot. I liked Bright Star, um, which was a movie, not a there's that's not based on a book at all, right? Um and I liked uh Jane Eyre. Which version of it was it that we watched? Mm. For our listeners, I don't know. Was um, it the one that um has Magneto in it, whatever his name is? Oh yeah. And it, yeah. That's a way scarier movie and book than you think like mm-hmm. if you have like little women as your like oh so in my answer is i really like that version of jane Eyre as well um i can't remember the the director i think it starts with an f but it's really cool um then i think he did one about like riding on the the train on la bestia like from guatemala or honduras up to the America's southern border. I think that's that same guy. Okay. Anyway, oh, I'm sorry. That is not a region. Um, I really like one called My Brilliant Career. Um, I think it's an Australian one, but it's a similar time period. Um, and I really like what I think might be the better version of Little Women, which is the Christian Bale. Um, I, I know that one. Winona Ryder. Yeah, I saw that when I was like 10 at a sleepover at Andy Fippen's house. And he fell asleep and I stayed up with his parents and watched it. <laughs> it's good, man. It's so good. Um, because it was kind of hard for me, the Greta Gerwig one where the 
the one character was supposed to be 12 and 22, but she was the same person. I was like, oh, they should just be 12. Um, But yeah, I I remember watching that one a ton. uh, The Winona Ryder one and, and really, really, it was cool for even like as a very, very young person, like probably as a preteen to realize that a movie or a book set hundreds of years before I had ever become a person, like that the human condition, the struggle was like, Oh, it it can be in America's Northeast 200 years ago. And it's a family of women. And I, at that time only had brothers, you know, and it was just Mm -hmm. like, Oh, but it's, but it's not because people are just people. And I guess maybe we've kind of unpacked that with this really poorly crafted version too, where we're like, (laughs) even in, even in like that craziness, we're like, there's some humanity in there. That's kind of captivating. Period pieces, which time period is best? What do you most enjoy? It doesn't have to be 1800s. could be period pieces. could be like, say, 80s to 1800s or medieval or whatever you want to do. What do you most enjoy? Which time period is best for film? Um, Mine's 1920s. Like if I'm watching like a Poirot, P.G. Woodhouse, Bertie Wooster, a noir murder whatever set in the 1920s that's great it's made for 1920s america yeah or england like going on like a steam train in the 1920s with all the puff of smokes going under bridges and through trains are great i love trains little automobiles like like you put in like a two-seater convertible you're cruising through country lanes great for me with period pieces, um, I feel like when when it seems like the movie is about being a period piece, I kind of don't care, which is maybe one of the reasons that I'm not as into these types of movies usually because a lot of times they're about the costumes and the mm-hmm. you know set decoration and the shooting locations uh, being you know accurate to the time period and less about like the people and the plot. And so if I can kind of forget about the fact that it's a period piece and still get like engrossed in the story and the characters and all that stuff, then I kind of don't care. So for, for that reason, kind of like anything 1950s forward is the easiest for me because it seems like those are recent enough that they tend to not get as hung up in like being a period piece. You know, it's usually a little bit more about the story. So usually, yeah, usually I skew more recent what about you, Paul? Okay, so I don't think I have a period unless it is the future and we can say sci-fi because I'm infinitely interested in like how we imagine the future. Love it. I think it's super cool when people say like in a hundred years we'll look like the 1920s, but it'll be faster or something like that, you know, because I always thought that was like a really interesting one. But um I guess of period films, the thing that I really like when they'll when they'll allow themselves to do it is to not try to map on like um zeitgeist sensibilities into a previous time but if they used to make gendered comments that they just make the gendered comments but nobody paused and this isn't like you know they just like they say the thing and they move on and then they or whatever and so there are two movies that i guess i always go back to that i just think are so dang cool uh, one is set in the early 80s by Richard Linklater, and it's called Everybody Wants Some. 
And then the other one is dazed and confused and they are period pieces, Mm -hmm. but it's just, I feel like you could live in the people's skin because none of them feel like they're pretending they're in the seventies. They're just like the seventies are happening as these people are living. And then nobody's pretending they're in the eighties. They're like, the eighties actually were happening. Somehow they stopped the earth, went back and was like, thanks. We're going to be here for three weeks and make this movie. You know, like it's, and they, and all of this stuff just seems like none of the words feel like they're, they're the words from now or the words from 10 years before it was like only in this, this small chunk. And so I, I love both of those movies and it sounds like Sean and I might have a similar sensibility that way. <laughs> yeah. I, I love both those movies too. And Dazed and Confused, it reminds me in a certain sense of like Donnie Darko, where they're movies that were made by directors about teenagers from the time period when they were teenagers. It's like they're making what they know and it feels authentic because they really know. They don't know what it's like to be a teenager in 2015, but they do know what it was like to be a teenager in the 70s or the 80s. And when I saw Dazed and Confused, not that we would ever compare it to this film or anything else, but like when I saw Dazed and Confused, it was the first movie i was a senior in high school and i was like oh somebody finally made a movie about how like which is how high school kids actually act it was raunchy it was vulgar but there was a lot of love behind it there was tons of drugs and i was just like it has to be a rated r movie if you're really going to make a movie about like Mm -hmm. teenagers yep you can make a pg-13 movie if you want it to represent but if you want it to be like it's got to be rated R almost X because it's, it was so f- foul, you know? Yep. And yet, like, I have a ton of love. And it was really cool because I saw this movie and I was like, oh, I bet you that's how um, high school was for my parents or something like that. Because mm, I was yeah. just, mm-hmm. it, it felt like how high school was for me. But I was like, I bet that's what it looked like, though. You know, I bet, I bet that's what the hair looked like, the music. And so anyways, anyways, love those movies. Yeah, fun. You know what? I'll accept those answers. <laughs> you can cut um, them out if you don't. <laughs> I'm not cutting them out. I'm leaving them in. What's your favorite Jane Austen? Mm. I I don't know very much. So Sense and Sensibility probably is actually mine. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Well, Clueless? Yeah, Clueless. Yeah. Right. It counts. I, then Emma is your answer because that's the Emma story. Um. I guess I don't know. No. I'm talking out of like the six Jane Austen stories. Like, which one is best? Is the question mm-hmm. as a story? Yeah, that's tricky. The Clueless movie. I didn't like the most recent Emma movie though. So, I really uh, but she got a bloody then, nose, and it was so good. Remember that? And they started singing. I forgot about that. Yeah. And he tried to take off his cravat, but he couldn't, so he just laid down on the floor in frustration. <laughs> That was great, man. <laughs> um, if you had the opportunity, or say, what if scenario, you're going to do a completionist podcast? Could be movies, it could be books. Uh, what would you do? So Paul just reminded me of this, but one of my favorite things to do is watch every movie from a director. And there are only a handful that I've done, but Richard Linklater is one of them. That yeah. like. That was a really fun one because half of his movies are like my favorite movies that I've ever seen. And the other half are like Bad News Bears, which is the worst movie I ever saw in my life. How does he do that, though? 
<laughs> I, I don't know. It's like he makes money on these terrible movies. Yeah, but and that, then the, the studio question wants to make whatever movie he wants. I don't know. So that your answer would be because it's got to be specific. It's not it's it, just like, oh, just movies. Is, is it a Richard Linklater season that you would do a podcast with and talk about each one? Yeah, I mean, the podcast would definitely be doing directors one by one and well, one but that's, season would that's Richard Linklater's My question one that is, I've done. Oh, is that guess, allowed? No. My question is one thing. What else do you want us to say, Chad? Well, Give so us, I said other... Jane, I did Jane Austen. Mm -hmm. Some other people have said, oh, I'll do Sherlock Holmes and I'll watch, mm -hmm. like read Sherlock Holmes and then watch oh, Sherlock Holmes. Everything Sherlock Holmes. And, and instead of just like, oh, I'll read a series of books. It's like, what author would you do? What director would you do? And R Richard Linklater is a great answer. But is that what you'd want? Yeah, to I'm I'm going to have that be my answer. But in reality, if I were doing something like that, I would jump from director to director for okay. each season. So that would we'll be your season Richard one. Linklater. Yeah. Okay. Yep. What would you do, Paul? Any author that you love what? that you'd want to get into? Yeah, I was going to say, if, if, uh, if I needed it to count on my CV, you know, like to show that I had like this, central research line or whatever yeah um i think it'd be really interesting to have uh what we perceive as like masterpiece children's texts but then knowing that they're created by adults and then knowing that adults take things all kinds of different directions you know i think it'd be really interesting to have what are perceived as like really benign children's texts and just, then just have all of the different stories what was the author going through a divorce and therefore included this one little picture did somebody read this thing that wasn't supposed to be scary but it terrified them and then they've been influenced it in so many ways and so that would be one that i think would be uh an interesting podcast if you ever want to take it up <laughs> um, yeah that, is that an idea is is, is that not there's no wrong there's no wrong answer some of my other ideas were to like, say i would watch all of the oh yeah no some of like i love terry pratchett so it'd be fun to do read a terry pratchett book and then do a podcast episode about it and there's like 40 books mm. and then uh there's mm. film adaptations and why can't anybody get it, it right like they try so hard and every five years or whatever someone's gonna be like oh we did post like the the going postal or we did um hogs father hogs watch or whatever it's called and they just missed the mark on why can't anybody do a film adaptation of a terry project work and it's just not i don't know if it's possible i don't think it is yeah okay in that case i want to slightly switch mine um i would choose the people get to decide like choose a favorite uh book from childhood could be longer work shorter work and then they would need to create a soundtrack uh or a playlist recommended playlist yeah. for either multiple characters or the the character with whom they most identify okay and then you could you could walk them through like why why did you choose these 10 songs for max from where the wild things are oh, why did fun. you choose yeah why did you choose these 10 songs for dorothy you know, as she's visiting Oz, whatever. I think that'd be interesting. This is, these are fun. I got, the, <laughs> I was talking with Sean about my next. So after, after Jane Austen completionist podcast is over, one man in possession of a podcast, I'm going to do a, a dedicated listen podcast where we listen to an album and then discuss the album. Like, cause we don't listen to albums anymore. And it'd be fun to just like, say like, 
Mm-hmm. Gone are the days of albums, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> there there was a podcast I found once. I forget what it was called, but it was two guys that did exactly that. They'd go back and listen to like the great albums and it just wasn't very good. Oh, that's I, loved too bad. The, I loved the idea of it. So oh. I want you to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's because you're going to be like a key player, Sean. <laughs> like you're my number one podcast guest. How How many podcasts have you been on? Not including movie club. All of them. <laughs> Oh, I how don't many know. how many yeah. Weezer's yeah. episodes did we do? I don't know. Probably, oh, Sean. Which which did you do as your does it hold up um, songs? Did I, you ask. I did two episodes of that. Mm-hmm. Oh, what were they? Because one was with Jana and one was just with uh-huh. you. I look. I I logged them all on the Facebook page. Okay. Yeah, I'd have to look. Um, I remember my songs that didn't hold up. One of them was a terrible ska song called mm-hmm. My Boss Sucks by Codename Rocky. That's right, it was. And yeah. then uh, Mr. Barbecue by Guttermouth. Yep, I remember So those that. were things I was listening to back then. That was right. Um, does, does hold up. What did I choose that does hold up? Nick yes. Drake was one of them, yeah. but I don't, I don't know if that was my official. It was just something that I discovered in high school. I had a lot more fun with the ones that are terrible and I can't believe I listened to that. For sure. For sure. It's cool to look at the former self and be like, especially thinking through like how much they meant, right? Like uh-huh. where you would have like punched them uh Colonel Brandon style in the face if somebody told you like they didn't <laughs> like this, you're like, I'm sorry. <laughs> like we have to resort to violence right now. My brother convinced me to do this thing called Advent of Code, which is like an advent calendar 25 days leading up to christmas they give you like a coding challenge and i was in the middle of that so when we get off this i need to like recalibrate and figure out like (laughs) what my spaghetti code was trying to do there's jason there's rachel there's evan there's chan jana and or jana and shan i like that (laughs) um jana did pearl jam in hiding sean did nick drake cello song and then jana said blink 182 my pet sally doesn't hold up and Sean said, gutter mouth, Mr. Barbecue. And I did cherry pop and daddy zoot suit riot. <laughs> Ooh, yep. And then Sean solo band in America that didn't play that at least once. Uh huh. And let's see, there's Ant- here's Sean's. Sean's original holds up was Cake. Remember what song? Mm, that's right. I can't remember what Cake song he chose. I didn't write down this. I don't remember because I, just... I like all of them. And then they were like a full album band though too though they have cool stuff. And mm-hmm. then Sean's didn't hold up was codename Rocky, and I said didn't hold up is head PE. Remember we're talking about head PE, Sean? What I a, remember talking about head PE. What a white trash Gosh, band. What a bad band. <laughs> and then what's good, Frankie Cosmos, and I said Hamilton was good. That's what I'm listening to. <laughs> it, was a, it was years ago. All right, couple more questions, and we're I out. Think I, I think I think I. I committed on that podcast to finally listen to Hamilton and I still haven't. Sorry, Chad. It's okay. Lawrence loves it. He listens to it <laughs> on the iPod shuffle or I, I top video with the scroll wheel. He listens. Oh, he also found one of your songs. I think it's called fade away or something like that. And he has it memorized. Oh yeah. That's going way back. Wait, he, what? I don't the, like that. I'm uncomfortable was, right now. <laughs> Cause he goes through my iPod and just listens to all the songs. He found one of your songs and has it memorized. Oh it's boy. Not... Should I should I re-record it? 
the Lawrence remix. Lawrence remix. He would love it. Um, do you ever read books and then watch the adaptations? Is there a highlight that you like to do? Like an example. Best adaptations? What books do you read? Because you guys read a lot and then watch the adaptation afterwards. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like more often than not, I'll read the book. And if I really enjoy the book, I end up not watching the movie that I was reading the book to prepare to watch. Interesting. I just want to live with it. So like The Goldfinch, that was one of my favorite books ever. And I still haven't watched the movie because I know it's not going to be as good as the book. The one that um that did really work for me, going back to Richard Linklater, is um Where Do You Go, Bernadette? which was a book that I really loved and nobody really liked the movie it seemed. But so I went into the movie with low expectations was like, Oh, this is the same as the book that I liked. Like it was a pretty faithful adaptation. So I really liked that one. That's fun. You got any examples, Paul? Uh, Of adaptations. Okay. I do, but it's, it's a little bit divisive. Hey, how's it going? Um, um, I think I do. Um, we have to pay up our kids. We got to pay allowance for the week. Um, it's a little bit divisive, but I really love Spike Jones as a director, and I really loved his massive reimagining of um, where, where the, the wild, wild things are, where you have a a book that really has like three sentences from start to finish, mm-hmm. and then you build this whole world. And I know it wasn't everybody's favorite, but I I really, really, really liked that he was just swinging for the fences on that one hmm. so that was my recommendation yeah i still haven't seen that one gonna add it to the list it might it might let you down i uh, saw it but i yeah spike jones doesn't let people down really. i saw it in chicago it was a dark time with rachel mm. and mm. i think it's the set and setting of it. it was just we weren't having a good time in chicago Oh, okay. It was like summer sales and we weren't doing good and everything was bad. <laughs> oh. That is weird how like music and smells and movies and whatever like take you uh-huh. back to a time and you don't like remember it, like you relive it. Yep. Which is really, <laughs> really uncomfortable for me when the kid's like, what was the most embarrassing thing of junior high? I was like, well, I can tell you, but like dad's going to be sweaty the whole time. <laughs> He's gonna need to make an appointment with my therapist yeah, to tell exactly. you the story, but I, I don't mind sharing it with you, but I will be just as embarrassed now as I was then. So yeah. What needs what Jane Austen or I guess yeah, Jane Austen, what needs a new adaptation? Like Emma was um, just done and that was good. So I guess we're back to Pride and Prejudice, the most recent one. I mean, the Kira Knightley was 2005. I don't think it needs to be redone, but I think using like Mar- Marvel CGI or whatever, they just mm-hmm. need to redo the last scene where he's like Miss Dashwood or Miss Mrs. Uh, Darcy. Mrs. Darcy. Mrs. Darcy. Apparently, the Kara can... Knightley one has an English or England has a different edit than the United States, and they have a different last scene. Oh. So we just need to get the English edit because yeah. that Mrs. Darcy at the end is ruins it. <laughs> Yeah, so we can just un unlast seen it. Then uh, I guess we don't need to redo. But <laughs> sure. It, but I I'm also okay with like um having the little like green balls on their faces to make them like the 20 years ago versions of themselves. Uh huh. Dh. Yeah, and just have like a completely different scene. Maybe they could be playing baseball or something. You know? <laughs> 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 this is. 
this is one of the things that's like totally bewildering to me because like I said at the beginning, like I just kind of don't get it. But I could understand how someone like could like something that I don't like. But what I don't understand is how like this is the thing that everyone loves and wants to make 10,000 versions of it. And the last version of it was five years old. So we got to make a new one. And I like don't understand why this is that thing. Yeah, well, I guess I'm glad that it is for all the people that love it. But I I yeah. can't figure it out. Yeah. Maybe I need to read Pride and Prejudice. Or something else. Emma. Don't know. I don't know. Maybe I, I I'll get you, it. I think you know enough that you know it's not for you. I don't think mm-hmm. you have you got to for your, force yourself to enjoy. I just love the coziness of it. The <laughs> it's so like banal and cozy and like just I don't have to think. It can be on. I can look at the different differences of the adaptations different music the different style the different actors which one did it better which one did it like do like fantasy casting of oh this actor from this one did it better than this actor from this one which one was the best mr darcy which one was the best mr edward fairs which one was the what was your uh, oh yeah what gateway jane how'd you get started do you remember no I don't it's like remember. an AP class. No, a... I don't think I, even in high school. I don't saw. I don't think I've seen any of them. <laughs> Probably Rachel. Rachel had mm-hmm. a bunch of the BBC Sense and Sensibilities. We watched per- per- Persuasion a bunch. She was mm-hmm. really in Persuasion and North and South and those type of adaptations. Yeah. And then I started like watching old Poirot's, um, just like that type of period piece. And then it just seemed like a. I didn't I haven't read all of them. I've read Pride and Prejudice and Emma. I don't I've never read Sense and Sensibility before this year. If this is more of just like, oh, I don't know all those things and I want to know them and I'm so I'll watch them. And since I'm watching them anyways, I'll get my friends to watch them and then we'll talk about it afterwards. <laughs> and then it will turn into That's a cool. challenge. Not only am I going to watch the good adaptations, we're going to watch every adaptation. <laughs> The best adaptation. The best, and it turns so, out that number no. nine, Marianne on Tubi, turned out to be the best adaptation. <laughs> but then, and then with Rachel, Rachel kind of signed up to do all the Bollywood adaptations, so she watched mm. this Bollywood Sense and Sensibility. And if you think Tubi Marianne is ridiculous, the choices that they make in that Bollywood adaptation are nuts. Like the choices, like it's high production value. And good acting and whatever, but it's just like the script went off the it's bananas. Off the rails. <laughs> and then next year, it's just gonna be a year of Pride and Prejudice. I think there's 12 different adaptations. It starts out with the 1940 Lawrence Olivier, goes into like a 70s BBC, 80s BBC, the Colin Firth BBC, Kira Knightley. There's a zombies one, there's one with on Hallmark Channel, there's one with dogs. There's uh, a, like a Tyler Perry almost one that's a black cast. It's called Pride and Prejudice Atlanta. Yeah, Isn't there like watch? a BYU one, like a like um. You know a... what? There certainly is, and it's called Pride and Prejudice: A Latter Day Tale. Ah, uh, yeah, there you go, there you go. And it is set. It, it was like made in our time when we were at BYU, and so it is going to be. Rough. Ward, wardrobe hairstyles dialogue place settings like recognizing different 
Like it's gonna yeah. be, it's gonna like, be. I mean, that place. Yeah. <laughs> well, my friends, I'm gonna have to bid you adieu. That's it. But was... we are done. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's the la- that's the last thing. So yeah, that was it. If anybody wants to go and rate and review the podcast on apple podcast or spotify i will read the review on the podcast give a little shout out and then a palate cleanser after this um the the next one is melissa and then i'm gonna do middle march so i read middle march it's 800 pages and i'm gonna watch all the at the the um i'm just gonna watch the bbc middle march there's eight episodes i think of the miniseries we're going to do a middle March episode and then we're going to go right into the book Pride and Prejudice. And there's going to be a bunch of people. Anthony wants to read it. Jessica wants to read it. You get anybody's welcome to read it. We're going to do it like a, a book club episode where we read the book and come and talk about it later. That's I'll it. I'll probably be an ex-listener there. Let them woo me and wow me with their intelligence. See you guys. Bye.